0: Message 6 of a Parents and Serving Ones conference given in Calgary, Canada, on the morning of Lord's Day, Saturday, April 21st, 2013. Message title, Serving in Coordination and in a Blended Way to Minister Life. Spoken by Brother Tom Getz. Amen. Thou the prodigal has pardoned. Amen. Kissed us. Amen. Father, how we thank you for kissing us. Amen for running to meet us, for bringing us into the house, killing the fatted calf, preparing such a feast for us. Father, thank you for such a Christ. You've given us such a Christ. We worship you this morning. Our hearts are overflowing. We adore you. We love you. We worship you. Amen. Amen. This morning, to begin our last session together, let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, and let's read verse 28 together. Colossians 1.28. This weekend, we've been having a uh, a conference, uh, Parents and Serving Ones Conference, PSO, they call them here. And uh, this is a service conference, a conference on church service, uh, with the uh, emphasis particularly on the young people service. And this morning we come to a very crucial fellowship related to coordination and blending uh, in our service together. So let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, and let's read verse 28 together. Okay, ready, let's read whom we announce, admonishing every man and teaching every man all wisdom that we may present every man full grown in Christ. Maybe we could pray read this verse together. We announce whom we announce. Amen. Amen. Admonishing every man. Amen. every man. every man. Every man. Amen. Amen. And teaching. Every man. Amen. And teaching. Every man. And teaching every, every man. man. Amen. All <coughs> All Amen. All Amen. All Amen. All Amen. All <coughs> All that we may present every man. Amen. Every we may present every, every man. man. We may present every man. <laughs> Amen. Every man every man full grown in Christ full grown in Christ. Every man full grown in Christ. Amen. Every man full grown in Christ. Every man full grown in Christ. Every man full grown in Christ. Amen. grown in Christ. Amen. All grown in Christ. Amen. All grown in Christ. Amen. Grown in Christ. Amen. In Christ. Amen. In Christ. Amen. This weekend we began on Friday night with some fellowship about vessels unto honor for God's eternal economy. In that fellowship we realized or saw afresh how that we are vessels. First and foremost, God made us as containers and he himself is the content we are made to be filled with Christ and so this means that we have to learn how to be open to be an open vessel means that you have to open yourself you know uh, to be an open vessel also implies that you're empty I don't know, I didn't mention this on Friday night, maybe we should assume this, but we have to practice this, uh, to really open ourselves up to the Lord, that the Lord could fill us. We also have to learn how to empty out, empty out our concepts, empty out our habits, empty out our our old ways of thinking. The best way is to say it, Lord... I open myself up to you right now. I open up my mind to you. I open up my emotion to you. But I like to empty out. I'm too full of other things. I'm full of my culture, full of my attitude, full of my disposition. And I'd like to be emptied out. Empty myself right now that you could become my content. God's economy is to fill man, that he could mingle himself with man and even become man. This is the desire in God's heart, and this is the desire of our heart, that he would have the full and free access into every part of our being by our opening up to him. We should have the thought that even as we're calling, as we're praying, as we're contacting the Lord morning by morning, And as we're saying this, as we're saying this to the Lord, Lord, I open to you, you should have the clear realization that right then the triune God is pouring himself into your being. And when you say, Lord, I open my mind to you, you should have the clear understanding that your mind is right now receiving God as life. That he's coming right now and mingling himself with your mind, your emotion, and your will. And he's making you the same as he is. There's no feeling attached to this. You might think, oh, does this really work? I still feel like I'm the same. It doesn't seem like anything is happening. Well, that's exactly the way it is in God's economy. God's economy is altogether in faith. It's not in any kind of feeling. You may not feel very different at all, but your realization is this, is that God is a dispensing God and I am a vessel. God is a dispensing God and I am a vessel. I am a container and my one job is to open and to empty myself out so that he could flow himself in. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. That's what it means to be emptied out. On Saturday morning, we had two sessions on some practical points on how to lead the young people. We saw six points, that we need to have an interest in them, that we need to learn how to Contact them. We should emphasize practicality and not stress doctrines. We saw how we need to have positive faith for every young person, how we need to adapt to them and match them and not force them to match and adapt to us. And finally, we realized how much we need to emphasize personal, personal contact. This was our fellowship yesterday morning. And then in the afternoon, we saw an overview, which we put on the board, of what is the present direction of the work with our young generation in the Lord's recovery. We saw from beginning all the way through a marvelous trajectory, a kind of direction, a building, stage after stage, higher and higher, level after level to, go, to bring them into a function. We saw the present direction is first of all that we need to be active in a burden for our friends. I noticed this morning a lot of young people in the meeting and so maybe I'll just say something. The young people in the church have the greatest opportunity to pick up a burden for the gospel for their friends. They're swarmed in the schools, surrounded by many lost, unbelieving people. They're dying in their sins. They're in misery. Sad, lonely, heartbroken people. And everyone puts on a good facade, so they look cool, they seem cool, but if you go into their heart, you'll realize that they are suffering people and that they need the Lord. If we as the young people in the church life, would begin to pick up a few names and pray for these names. Lord Jesus. And you mention these names, bringing them to the Lord. The Lord will put them on your heart and they will become an organic burden within you. This is a great opportunity. We should pray. I'm not saying you should say too much. You don't maybe you don't need to say much at all. One of our young sisters, she began to practice this and she began to pray for five names. Some of those names were some of, the, some of her friends that had stopped meeting in the church. Some of them were friends from school she began to pray every day. She wrote them down on a piece of paper and she would wake up and she would see that paper on her desk. She would pray breathing prayers. Do you know how to pray breathing prayers? A breathing prayer is, Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, Pedro. Oh, Lord Jesus, Abraham. Lord Jesus, Johan. Lord Jesus, Jacob. That's a breathing prayer. Maybe you would say, save him. Oh, Lord, save him. Lord, gain him. Those are breathing prayers. And everyone can pray a breathing prayer. You could even be sitting in class with one ear paying attention to your teacher and the other is breathing. Oh, Lord Jesus. This one. Then we saw how the young generation needs to be eating and feeding on the humanity of Jesus so that they could have the standing power To stand up in the darkest hour, in the fiercest kind of fight, which is coming ahead of us. The Lord needs a group of people who are acacia wood overlaid with gold. They've been eating and enjoying the humanity of Jesus, and they can stand. Stand in the evil day. They can withstand all the attacks of the evil one they can ultimately withstand. Uh, This is the standing power is in the humanity of Jesus. The young people need to learn how to eat and enjoy such a humanity. We also saw how they need to be brought into a practical church life in the whole meetings, in the church service, in the children's work, in the various services of the church, so that they could become responsible ones, bearing responsibility in the church. They become our coworkers, our co-laborers together with us. We also saw how we need to have a heart and even build up an atmosphere where we could restore the dormant ones, the backslidden ones, the ones who stopped meeting. In every local church, there are hundreds. They stopped meeting. They met with us for a while and then they stopped. They became discouraged, maybe they became offended, maybe something happened, they just couldn't continue. And how we need an atmosphere in a heart, just like the good shepherd who would leave the 99 and go after the one until he finds it and he can bring him home. This should be an atmosphere in the church, not a critical, judgmental, condemning kind of spirit but a spirit of love, a spirit of forgiveness, heart of love to receive all the dormant ones, the fallen ones, the defeated ones, even the fleshly and worldly ones. We would receive them, bring them back, recover them to the Father's house. This really has to become a spirit, an atmosphere in the church. Without this kind of atmosphere and spirit in the church, it becomes very hard for our young people to bring their friends to the meetings. They're afraid their friends may be judged, condemned or criticized by the saints. So we have to have such a spirit of love, such an atmosphere in the church life. And finally, we saw how we need to perfect all our young generation to become co-workers together with us. They serve with us. We bring them into service by bringing them to serve together with us. This crucial word, with, with us. This is how they're perfected in serving. Then uh, this is how, how we concluded last night. All right, so this morning we come to a general kind of fellowship. And this is quite an enjoyable outline And what it's on is serving in coordination and in a blended way to minister life. This is a fellowship that is directed to anyone and everyone who serves in the church, not just young people serving ones, although this weekend maybe it applies, but for all of our serving life, I think you'll find this fellowship quite helpful. You know, in God's salvation, we are all serving ones. We all became slaves. The Lord himself was the slave. The Gospel of Mark presents the slave savior, the one who came to serve sinners. Even in the kingdom, it tells us that he will serve us. He's still serving us right now. He served us by giving up his life. He served us even becoming the spirit to enter into us. He continually is serving us by supplying us and nourishing us and meeting every need for us. Isn't he the ultimate serving one? And now this one is within us, wanting to reproduce himself in us and live again in us to become the real serving one in us, living a sacrificing life Pouring out for God's people. This is, this is the life that every one of us has received. So when we come to this outline, let's just begin to read through this. We'll fellowship a little bit, and we'll see where this fellowship will bring us. Church service is mainly for ministering life. You might think that church service is mainly to get jobs done. Church service, for the chair arranging, is primarily to get the chairs arranged. Church service, cleaning the bathrooms, we find the most efficient way to clean. To vacuum this, to dust that, to usher, we're always looking for the most efficient way. So let me blow your mind a little bit this morning that church service is not mainly to get a job done, Church service is mainly for ministering life. Ministering life. Flowing out. Just flowing. Do you know how to flow? Do you know how to minister life while you're vacuuming? You minister life while you're cleaning a a toilet? Wow. You know, you think, oh, for the children's service. Yeah, church service is mainly for ministering life or for the young people's service. But this is, this is for all kinds of serving in the church. We mentioned we want to bring the young people to serve together with us, so we have to understand what service is. It's mainly to minister life to others, to others. While you're doing the chairs, you, you're doing it with others. And while you're arranging the chairs, life is flowing between you and and the ones you serve together with." Then he goes on, "...the best opportunity for us to minister life to others is in the service groups. To help the saints, not primarily to carry out the service. Rather, they should fellowship with them and minister life to them so that they may grow." In a training Brother Lee had with us in 1974, in early 1975, he gathered all the responsible ones who were overseeing the service groups, and he met with us every Monday night for a few months. And that was a real training. And this was his opening kind of fellowship with us. You might think you're a service group leader, you're responsible for ushering, or you're responsible for maintenance, or for cleaning the hall, arranging the chairs. And you might think that your job is to make it efficient, to get the work done. You know, we all like efficiency. He said, it's not that. There is no better opportunity for life to flow between the members, for life to be ministered to one another, than when you are serving together in some practical service. While you're serving, while you're vacuuming, arranging chairs. This concept has to get into our our mind, has to... Uh, gain us. Our church service is to minister life to others. So how do we do that? Now I'm going to serve. I need to serve. Well, so now it tells us we need a certain kind of life for this. A says we need a life and work that flows out from the love of the Lord in order to maintain our victory. If we do not have a revived living, or a labor in shepherding, we will not be overcoming for long. There will be no way for us to maintain our victory. What maintains us in the victory is a life and a work of love toward the Lord. You might recall after Peter had his terrible failure. It was a colossal failure. It was a failure that should have cost him the kingdom. He was finished. He denied the Lord. The Lord said, you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my father. He was finished. Judgment seat, the Lord said, I don't know you. I don't know you. You denied me before, I I don't know you. Peter was devastated. He had a failure that was so terrible. So he was finished. Yet the Lord came, prepared breakfast for him. Because the Lord was going to recover him. This is always the father's heart. You might think, oh, you did something so bad. You might think, oh, that brother, that sister has fallen so low. He has forsaken. He has given up. He is out. There's no way he could participate in the kingdom. You should never say this. It might surprise you. You know what will happen? The Lord will come and cook breakfast for that one. And he'll recover that one. And he does it, this is how he does it. He goes out, he's fishing all night. In fact, he, Peter was so backslidden that he led six of his fellow disciples to backslide with him. He said, I'm going fishing. Going back to his livelihood. He was a full-timer. I quit. I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to go fish again. I, I, li- I like fishing. Uh, I can count on it. You can, the Lord, I'm not sure, you know. The Lord's dead. He, you know, he's gone. I, I don't know where I'm going to eat from. I'm going fishing. And because he was one of the leaders, six of the disciples, yeah, me too, me too, they all follow him. He's leading them astray. They fish all night, no fish. In the morning, the Lord is there on the shore. And he shouts out to them, children, do you have any meat? Did you get anything? Did you catch any fish? The answer comes back, no. Put the net on the other side of the boat. The Lord, you know, all night the Lord's keeping the the fish over here, and then he's putting all the fish over there, and and he's just making it so they can't catch fish at the best time. That's probably a greater miracle than all the other fish that got in the net. Then the morning comes. I mean, you know, then he says, put the net on the other side, then he gets all the fish over there, and and they catch it, and they pull it up. And then John has a revelation Peter and John are in the boat together. John turns to Peter and says, It's the Lord. (laughs) It's the Lord. Peter jumps in the water, swims to shore. You know, then the Lord has a conversation with him. He says, Peter, do you love me? What a question! What a question! When the Lord wants to recover someone, that's what he asks. He doesn't ask, are you going to try harder now? Are you going to be good? Are you going to quit being such a bad person? He says, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? I really don't even know what that means. Do you love me more than these fish? What is These. Do you love me more than these brothers? Do you remember on the night that he denied the Lord? He told in front of the disciples, he said, all these guys, they all deny you, but not me, not me. They're all losers, you know? (laughs) Uh, So maybe the Lord was saying, do you really love me more than they love me? Really, really? I don't know what that meant. Do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than being with the brothers in the fishing boat? At any rate, the question was, do you love me? Do you remember on Friday night we talked about being vessels? Nothing pleases God so much as for us to realize that he doesn't want us to do anything. He only wants us to love him. To love him. Open ourselves up to him and let him live from within us. Everything flows out of love. Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Of course I love you. I love you, Lord. Oh, that's the best prayer. You want to touch the Lord in the morning? Say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I love you, Lord. You say, but I don't feel like I do. Forget about how you feel. Lord Jesus, I love you. It doesn't matter how you feel. You don't have to feel it, but you have to say it. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then he said, feed my sheep. Feed, I think the first, no, he said first feed my lambs. That means you have to serve me. Serving doesn't come out of zeal. Serving doesn't come out of loyalty or faithfulness or dedication. Service, the proper service in the church flows out of love. We love him, and because we love him, we serve him. Lord, I love you. I'm standing here this morning because I love you. You know I do. And I like to serve you until I die, every day. My service flows out of love. I do it for love. Brothers and sisters, this is how you serve the Lord. It flows out of love. Peter, the Lord asked Peter again, "Do you love me?" He says, "Yes, Lord." Feed my sheep. You have to feed the little ones, the little lambs, the young people. You have to feed the saints. You have to feed. That's what you do. You just pour out. You pour out, you flow out. You flow and you flow and you flow. That's how you serve. And then, the Lord asked Peter again the third time. Peter, do you love me? Really, Lord, you're going to ask me three times? Really? Do you have to remind me that I denied you three times? (laughs) I mean, it's like, really? Three times you're going to ask me? And so Peter was bothered that the Lord asked him the third time. He said, yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. That was very meaningful. You maybe did something so terrible, but the Lord's only question is this. Do you love me? That's an easy question to answer because the love that we have for him doesn't originate within us. It comes because we open to him. Lord, I open to you again. I open to you. And because I opened... He flows in. And because he flows in, he flows in as love. That's really the only question. This is where serving the Lord comes from. This is where church service comes from. It comes, it flows from love. We have to remember this. It's not duty. It's not responsibility. Quote, quote. It's love. That's why we do it. Brother Lee says this, we need a life and a work that flows out from the love of the Lord in order to maintain our victory. You know, this is a mystery in the Christian life, how to maintain victory, how to maintain vitality. We get to the Young People's Conference And we go up on a mountain and we have a high time and we touch the Lord and the Lord is so near, so fresh, so enjoyable. Or maybe the Lord will bring us to a point where we get revived. We really touch the Lord and he revives us. But we don't know how to maintain that victory, that vitality. Brother Lee, in a very clear way, he points out the secret It's not like we stay on some emotional high. It's not that. But we can maintain our victory by a life of serving. We love him, so we serve him. And these two things, loving the Lord and serving him, are the two feet for us to stand on to maintain our vitality in the Lord. Some of us in our Christian life, we go up and down. Today we're enjoying, tomorrow it's gone. We, our whole Christian life is very unstable. This is a point that points out to us the secret of vitality. To help, okay, to minister life, uh, I'm sorry, if we do not have a revived living or a labor in shepherding, Two things, revived living, morning by morning, coming to the Lord, contacting Him, and then a labor in shepherding. That means there's always one, two, or three people under your care. These are the two things. This is a secret of maintaining your victory. Isn't that great? Wow, we always wondered. You know, we got discouraged so fast. This is why the young people, uh, you know, really young people, as soon as you pick up a few names, then you know what happens? You have to be alive to to care for them. You're going to preach the gospel to them. You're going to say something about the Lord to them. Doesn't matter how you feel. Oh, I had a failure last night. Oh, it's all over. Forget it. No, 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 uh, I, I gotta I got to come to the meeting. I got to speak. I got to serve. I got to function. I got to serve on children's meeting. I got to have something. So I have to touch the Lord again. I have to touch him today in a fresh way or I have nothing. What am I going to do? It forces us to come to the Lord. These two things are revived living and a labor in shepherding. You should underline both these phrases. We will not be overcoming for long, there will be no way for us to maintain our victory. What maintains us in the victory is a life and work of love towards the Lord. In uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 16a, it's a reference here. It says, if you see a brother sinning, and it goes on, a sin not unto death, and I don't know what that means, he shall ask and give life. What that means is that when you're praying for your friends, young people, listen carefully, or saints, brothers and sisters, you pick up a burden to shepherd. You know some are in your home meeting, a young person or a student or someone, a new one coming into the church life, or maybe just one of the brothers. You can ask. You you realize he's struggling. So you go to the Lord and you say, oh, Lord Jesus, Jonathan Lord Jesus Jonathan breathing prayers and you're asking you don't know what to pray we don't know what to pray we don't know what he needs do you really know what he needs he's like oh he's a bad boy oh then pray for him to be a good boy I don't but we don't really know what's going on so we say Lord Jonathan oh Lord Jonathan and we're asking we're asking Lord Jonathan And as we're asking, you know what's happening? Life is flowing. Life is flowing to that member. Mysteriously, secretly, unconsciously. Do you know that you can minister life to the brothers and sisters in the church through your breathing prayers? By your asking? Life will flow. Life will flow. Oh, flow. What a ministry. What a function. We can all do this. You can do this. Amen. Me too. Every day we need a revival, a renewal. Sorry, every day we need renewal, and this renewal has to be refreshed day by day. Every morning we should allow the Lord Jesus, our son, to rise up so that he can so that we can be renewed. You know on Friday I mentioned about I made a comment about taking a walk. Of course, I wanted to take a walk on Friday morning, but in Calgary, it's a little cold out there. This California boy is not used to, and I don't have those kind of clothes to go take a walk. Oh, I have to find another way. I have to find another place. Brothers and sisters, every morning, every morning, We have to go into our private room and shut the door, just like it says in Matthew 6. We have to contact the the Lord, mostly by opening to Him, but really being renewed. I hope, brothers and sisters, I hope that every day you would find some precious moments to be with the Lord. You've got to be with Him. You've got to be with Him, opening yourself up. Don't say you're too busy. No, no one's that busy. Matthew 6.6, 6, it says, pray like this. But when you pray, go into your private room and shut the door and pray to your Father who sees in secret. It doesn't say your Father hears in secret. It says your Father sees. Isn't that interesting? Did you know that the Father's eyes are watching, looking. Who's going to come to me? Who will come to me? And you like, oh, you know, I don't know what to pray. Do you think he cares? He's seeing. He's watching. You know what? Your attitude, your attitude, your, your desire to be alone with the Father is so precious to him. Your Father will see in secret. He will repay you. He, he repays. What an amazing thing. He owes you all those minutes. And God doesn't like to owe people anything. You can't outgive him. Brothers and sisters, we have to know how to do how to be with the Lord, how to open ourselves up to him. And I would strongly urge, learn how to contact the Lord by calling on his name. Calling and calling Sometimes the way we pray is that we try to fill up all the time with our words. We kneel down or we sit down or we walk around and we just have to occupy the whole time with words, words, words. And we're trying to think of what what are we going to pray? What are we going to pray? So we're in our mind and we're. Actually, it'd be better to be quiet a little bit. Just call on the Lord. Just call on the Lord. Let the. uh, The ascended Christ, sitting at the right hand of God as the intercessor, let him pray. You contact him, he'll pray. He'll convert every one of your little feeble prayers into a useful prayer for God's purpose. Just contact him again and again. Get filled up with him, be with him. Saints, this is the secret of service. You say, Well, I, I don't have an education. I didn't get a degree. I didn't finish school, but you can be with the Lord. Some of the most useful ones in the Lord's hands over the years were the ones that didn't get much of an education. D.L. Moody, great American evangelist in the 1800s, never went past third grade. When he went to England to preach the gospel, the crowds gathered but there were some that were mocking him because of his pronunciation of words and the way he talked. But by the third day, they were weeping because of what he was speaking and repenting. Brothers and sisters, learning how to contact the Lord, being with him, opening to him, allowing him to mingle himself with you. This is a secret. This is how you, this is how you serve the Lord. This is how you learn to become a serving one. After we, Then, by being with the Lord, things will come up. We need to deal with those things. Things in our heart. Things in our relationships. Sin. The world. Anxieties. Even problems in relationships with the saints all these things need to be brought up calling on the lord oh lord jesus to deal with them then he says this point 2 after we had a thorough dealing with the lord and pick up a burden we need to we must learn to be interested in people and involved with people pick up a burden for specific persons okay that means you you yeah you You deal with the Lord. You call on the Lord. You gain the Lord. You open to him. And then you pick up a burden for someone. And it has to be names. When Brother Lee was giving us this training, oh, brothers, you know, last weekend we had a training. Some of you brothers were there. I saw saw some of you on the second row. My goodness. Scary, huh? I was thinking, my, they called up, you know, some of the brothers from Leftbridge were on the second row. I mean, they were like, like right there. And then the first meeting they called, you know, the prophesying was a little slow. So the brother made all the first row brothers go prophesy. And there they were. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen? Oh, Lord Jesus. Then he said, okay, third row go. See the triune God knew. Isn't He merciful? <laughs> Spared. Oh. Oh no, no! No person could arrange that. What was I talking about? <laughs> you pick up a burden. Everybody can do this. You pick up a burden for a specific person. You get names. You write them down. When Brother, yeah, I was talking about Brother Lee. When Brother Lee held this training, he would ask us. He said, did you go to the Lord, Jonathan? He'd call us by name. We were sitting here. Did you go to the Lord? Yeah, yeah. Did you deal with the Lord? Yeah. What'd you deal with? <laughs> really? What? Tell me. So we had to tell him. Then he said, did you, did you pick up a burden? Yeah. Who'd you pick up a burden for? Well, I just nobody kind of came to mind. <laughs> he, oh fooly. <phooey. laughs> what do you mean nobody came to mind? What's wrong? You know, what's, that's not acceptable. You go get a name. That's what, that's how he was telling us. Oh my goodness, we we're. I was, I was not in the front row, but I was trembling. <laughs> well, I was I was so afraid he was going to call on me. He didn't call on me, but. We had to tell them the names. Do you pick up a burden for someone? Yeah, yeah. Who? Oh, Jonathan Somerville. Very good. And uh, who else? Uh, Sam Liao. Sam Lim. Good. Okay. So now you're going to pray for them, right? He made us tell us the names. Tell us the names. Who are you going to care for? How, how, what, if, what if we had a training like this? Who? You know, at school, my goodness, we'd be scared, huh? Point three, in our care for the young saints, we should consider ourselves as a small nursing mother and an exhorting, consoling father. Again, we come to this point about the atmosphere in the church, the care for the, not just the young saints, but so many new ones, so many students coming in. You know, boy, I tell you, if our high schoolers and junior hires started bringing their friends, I wonder what would happen. All kinds of elements would start coming into the church life. Do you know that? They'd come with their girlfriend. They'd come with their boyfriend. They'd be all over each other. And we might be going, oh, this is not good. This is not good. We need to screen them at the door. (laughs) But he said our, our attitude should be that we're just a little... Nursing mother. You know, to be a nursing mother, there's no dignity with a nursing mother. After a mother delivers a child, and of course, I don't have any experience firsthand with this, but she's lost her shape, her beauty, her sleep. No time for herself, no time to shower, to clean up. The baby's crying, she has to serve, she has to nurse. There's no dignity. She doesn't say, be quiet, don't you know I'm the mother here? And you're just a little baby. No, you've got to take care of the baby. This is the spirit. An atmosphere And a consoling father, a father exhorting, no, I'm the dad, I'm the king. This is my house, it's my way or the highway. <laughs> huh? But no, he said we need to be an exhorting father, exhorting, that means, yeah, sometimes we have to give warning words. Oh, if you do that, you play in the street, you're going to get run over by a car. Don't pl- don't play in the street, okay? And then you console. What do you console for? You know, consoling consolation is when somebody falls, has a failure, and is defeated and discouraged. You console them. You say, you know what? It's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. It's okay. I know what that is. I I I fell too. That's a consoling father. It's like he picks up his little girl and she has a boo boo on her. On her knee, and he blows on it. He puts a little, puts a Band-Aid, you know, a door the Explorer Band-Aid on it. <laughs> Makes it all better. This is the church life, saints. This flows. This flows. Flows out of our being. Flows out of our innermost being. Uh, amen. So that's our attitude. The Apostle Paul was a person who always spent and was spent. He said, Most gladly will I, I will most gladly spend and be utterly spent on behalf of you all. That means he was willing to pour out and pour out and pour out, spend what he was and to spend what he had, because his disposition was fully dealt with by the Lord. It was soft, bendable, flexible, and applicable to any situation. He was on the earth for nothing else but to gain people. Brothers and sisters, we're here on the earth like Paul. We just want to gain people. We could spend, pour out. This means our disposition needs to be utterly dealt with. If you look at Paul, you'll realize that he had almost no disposition of his own. He could adapt to any kind of person. To the Jews, he could become like a Jew. To the Gentiles, he could be like a Gentile. When he was with the weak, he said, I became weak. Some of us are so strong, we don't know how to be weak. We only know how to impose our disposition on people. We're fast and we can't be slow, or we're slow and we can't be fast. We're we're legal and we can't be flexible. Sometimes we're strict but we can't be smooth. Our disposition needs to be utterly dealt with. And this is one of the things that every one of us, we have to go to the Lord again and again. Oh Lord Jesus, break through, break through my nature, break through my disposition. I'm tired of my disposition. My disposition is too firm, too solid. It damages people, it hurts people. I still remember, saints, one day um, taking the lead in in this little church where I was. And I realized that the way I was leading the church, even as a young man, was very hard on the saints. I was strict. I was strong. I was legal. I realized that everyone around me was suffering. They were suffering my disposition. Hardly anybody could live up to my kind of standard. I was a suffering to my wife, suffering to my children. It wasn't easy. And there I was. I was taking the lead in the church. Ultimately, if the Lord didn't get through, it would be a real problem. I still remember kneeling down and crying out Lord, I know what everybody's problem is. I know what's holding him back. I know I know him. He's too nice. He's this, he's too worldly. His wife runs all over him. His, you know, this and that. I could I could tell you everybody and everything. But I couldn't help one of them. I had nothing. I had nothing. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. It was a crisis for me, brothers and sisters. It was a crisis. Have you realized? Paul was broken. He could fit into any kind of situation. You could put him in a crack. You could put him in a corner. You could put him in a well. You could put him in a prison. And he's the same. It's about the same. Brother Nee was like this, Brother Lee was like this. These brothers under the Lord's shepherding hand broke through in this matter of disposition. And because of that, they could serve. They could pour out. They could become real channels of supply to the body of Christ. On the one hand, we need to be strong, but on the other hand, we should not be hard. We need to be soft, flexible, and applicable, good for any situation we are placed in, able to fit into every bend and corner. To care for little children requires much flexibility. Therefore, we first need a thorough dealing with the Lord, and then we need to become available, flexible, and fully dealt with in our disposition. The Lord in the church will arrange to put us in situations where we find ourselves with other saints. Other saints who are not like us. And it may bother us. And it's not, we're just not like that. I still recall a trainee who came to serve on my team. On the day when they introduced themselves, this brother said within himself, uh, "I, anyone but him. Anyone." This brother stood up and he shared his little thing, and and he was a little uh, different, just a little different. Precious brother, but a little bit different. This brother said in his heart, "Lord, put me on any team, but him." And you know, we, we all have this. We all, you know, sorry, this is kind of the thing that goes on within us. I could, be, I could serve with anybody, but not him. Eventually, you know what happened? I didn't know this was going on in his heart. Eventually, they ended up on the same team, and they ended up to be gospel partners. Have the exact same situation today in another team. brother he cannot stand that person and it's not it's not like this other person did anything he just is can't help who i am i'm just i just am who i am and this person just doesn't like him what should he do what should he do and what you know this brother i'd love to change if i could change to make you like me i would do it but i don't know what to do i i'm just me eventually brothers have to get through, have to get through. It's powerful in us. Some of these things are powerful in us. Do you know one day the Lord may send you somewhere to a place? And it's with that one. You know, you break through in this matter that I'm talking about. The Lord could send you anywhere, anytime, with anyone. Because you're so flexible. You're so uh, opened up. Maybe even so broken that you can be with any brother anytime, anywhere, without without limitation. May the Lord get through. This is how we serve. This is how to serve. I'm telling you this is this is a real perfecting kind of fellowship. All right, but I got a lot of outline to cover still, so we better keep going. All right. In fact, in one place, Brother Lee said this. He said, we all need to be tested by three things. We need to be tested by the church life. You know, the church life will test you. We need to be tested by fruit bearing. Bringing in fruit will test us. Test our capacity. Test our heart. Test our our prayers. And we need to be tested by shepherding. That, too, will touch us deeply. It will touch us deeply. Romans 2. In our service to God, we must be brought by God to the point where we have the consciousness of the body and do not serve individually, but in coordination with the brothers and sisters. Here we touch the matter of serving in the body and serving in coordination. We must realize that there are two kinds of coordination. One kind is the coordination involved in outward arrangements. And the other kind of coordination is a coordination that grows out of the life within and is spiritual. Brother Lee describes two kinds of coordination. One is a coordination that's like a schedule, an arrangement. He says, this is cooperation. This is not coordination. The real coordination is something that is organic It comes out of the Christ that has been wrought into us, and it becomes a spiritual thing, an organic thing that flows out of life. As you grow in life, the more you want to coordinate, the more you're able to coordinate with others. Uh, Coordination requires that our natural being, the world, our disposition, and our flesh all be dealt with so that the Lord can grow out of us. When he grows out of you and me, we are spontaneously in coordination." Many have had the experience that as soon as they were put in the coordination, their condition was exposed. Once they begin to serve, their self immediately became manifest, particularly in their opinions. In the church where I am, I'm serving with a group of brothers. We take the lead, elders, responsible brothers. We meet on Monday nights to pray and fellowship. And sometimes the way the brothers are, it's just kind of a noise. I don't know what word to use. It's not like it's bad or wrong. It's just annoying. I like everyone to be like me. I don't know why. It seems like if everyone was like me, it would be so smooth. (laughs) This brother, he he was talking and sharing one night, and, and he was going on and on and on, and thinking, okay, we got it, we got it, we understand, wrap it up, you know. And he was going on and on, and I was just getting bothered, irritated. And I, I think it's his you know I think it's because of him, actually it's because of me it's not him I mean he's just a lovely brother that loves the Lord and loves the church and is pouring out for the church and he he annoys me i so one day i I had to talk to him after a meeting, and the meetings you know sometimes those elders and responsible meetings they get quite late, and I was tired I wanted to go home and go to bed I, And, uh, but I needed to ask him a question after the meeting. And I knew if I asked him, it was going to take a little bit of time. (laughs) And so I prefaced my question. I said, brother, I don't need a long answer. (laughs) (laughs) Just in one or two sentences, maybe you could tell me this. So I asked the question. And then he took a very deep breath. And then he began to flow (laughs) and flow and flow. And I was getting uh, Why? He's, He's being thorough. I mean, he's just a conscientious, lovely brother. I mean, I don't think any of you are like this. I have this kind of a problem. But eventually I stopped him. I said, I don't need to know all that. I got so Ah, frustrated. Stop. (laughs) He said, just tell me. Just tell me this. So I was a little frustrated. So then he told me that. Uh, I don't think he knew all the turmoil that was going on inside of me. So I got in my car and I'm driving home. And my, there was a little voice inside of me. And this verse was coming up. And the smoking flax he would not quench. Speaking about, you know, this verse in in Isaiah about the Lord Jesus, how he would not crush the uh, broken reed and he wouldn't quench the smoking flax. I realized I quenched my brother. That's bad. Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, I learned. Oh, my disposition, my character, myself, so my flesh comes into the service, comes into the church, comes into my function so easily, so automatically. How oh, I need to be so exercised, saints, not to bring in our flesh, not to bring in ourself, not to bring in our natural constitution, especially the opinions, brothers and sisters, the opinions. Oh. Do you know the opinions in the church is just the spreading of death. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 16 18, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The gates of Hades is the attack of death. The attack of death is the gates of Hades. Peter immediately, after receiving such a high vision of Christ, expresses his opinion. Oh Lord, you know the Lord said He's gonna go to the cross. Right away, Peter says, No, 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 that's we're not gonna let that happen. You got me here, I got a sword and I can. And then the Lord said, Get behind me, Satan. Do you realize, saints? Every opinion is Satan trying to come into the church. We have to be careful. Have to be careful. Don't hold an attitude. Don't speak things. Don't be so don't be careless. Some of us are very, very good at expressing opinions. We should not. We should, be, we should be in fear and trembling that our opinions could bring death into the church life. The most important thing in the church service is not that we perform our tasks successfully. Rather, the important matter in our serving together in coordination is how much our flesh, our disposition, and our individualism are being dealt with. The greatest indication that we see the body is that we cannot be independent. We feel that we need the body, and that we need the brothers and sisters. May we all get to such a point where we have this feeling how much we need the brothers and sisters. Coordination means that we cannot do anything without one another. There is a sense that we need others and that others need us. Those who work with young people should be like this. Those who truly coordinate in spirit should have a strong feeling that they cannot do anything without the help and coordination of others and have the spirit of a learner and the spirit of needing help. Isn't that a great utterance? This is how we serve. We have the spirit of a learner, not the spirit of an expert. Don't be here as an expert and say, oh, I went to the training. Forget about the training. Have the spirit of a learner. Have the spirit of of someone who needs help. Brothers and sisters, how much we need help. To feel that we do not need one another and that we do not need to fellowship is the greatest form of pride. It is the most offensive thing to the Lord and to the body. My goodness, what an utterance. If we lack coordination with others, we will always criticize what they do. Because we lack coordination in our service and do not rely and mutually depend on one another, we often step on others. You see how even a little criticism steps on people. have to be careful. And then we come to the last point. We'll just read through these points because time is over. We must learn to serve in a blended way. Without the blending, the Lord has no way to go on with us. Blending is the body. Blending is the oneness. And blending is the one accord. At the end of Brother Lee's ministry, he picked up this word blending to describe the kind of relationships that we could have in the church and that in the body of Christ God needs to blend all the members together blending means well let's read point a God has blended the body together the word blended means adjusted harmonized tempered and mingled God has blended the body adjusted the body harmonized the body tempered the body and mingled the body The Greek word for blended implies the losing of distinctions. We're all so distinct, huh? Whether it's our culture, our disposition, our our way, but in the body of Christ, in coordination, in fellowship, we can lose our distinctions. How about that? The strong become not that strong. The weak are not that weak. The fast are not that fast anymore, and the slow aren't that slow. We all got blended together. Sometimes when I was serving, and I was listening to some of the brothers, and I I hope uh, it's okay to mention my brother Ron. I really appreciate his burden, his ministry, his function in the body of Christ to the uttermost. He's always full of such feeling. And often I had the thought, you know, I don't have this kind of feeling. I mean, he seems to be so burdened, and I, I don't have hardly any burden. What's wrong with me? You know, oh, I, I think I should be like this. And I realized I wasn't cut from the same cloth. I wasn't built, built that way. But in my fellowship with him, my fellowship with him, my openness to him, his burden becomes my burden. His burden. His heart becomes my heart. We can get this in fellowship, saints. We don't have to be all things and everybody, but through fellowship, through coordination, we can, we can borrow and we can blend and we can gain the, the elements that are in others. All the brothers are so lovely. In order to be harmonized, blended, adjusted, and mingled, and tempered in the body, life, we have to go through the cross and be by the Spirit, dispensing Christ to others for the sake of the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have to learn how to be crossed out. Go to the cross. If we would practice the blending, we should not forget the matter of fellowship. Fellowship is the basis for blending. By practicing fellowship, we will lay the foundation for the blending. Fellowship tempers us, fellowship adjusts us, fellowship harmonizes us, and fellowship mingles us. We should not do anything without fellowshipping with the other saints who we are coordinating with. Brothers and sisters, blending means we have to stop and fellowship. Fellowship means we open to one another. Sometimes we don't want to open up because we know what the others are going to say but we have to stop in fellowship. Sometimes we feel capable, like we don't want to fellowship because if we fellowship, the brothers won't understand. They'll slow us down. They'll stop us. They don't have the same burden. They're not clear as I am. But fellowship always is a great protection. Fellowship requires us to stop when we're about to do something. In our coordination in the church life, in the Lord's work, We all have to learn not to do anything without fellowship. When we blend together, we have the cross and the spirit. Without the cross and the spirit, all that we have is the flesh with division. Blending requires us to be crossed out. Blending requires us to be by the spirit, to dispense Christ, and to do everything for the sake of his body. The way to be blended is by much and thorough prayer. As fine flour of the wheat, with all the members of our group, with the spirit as the oil, through the death of Christ as the salt, and in the resurrection of Christ as the frankincense. Brothers and sisters, we're here as the many grains produced by the Lord in his resurrection. But these grains cannot be blended as they are. Sometimes our coming together is like a a jar, a bowl of marbles like a big bowl of marbles. We're all in the bowl, we're in the church, but we're hard. And we're touching one another, but you would never say they're blended because each one is still so distinct and individual. But if those grains of wheat, not marbles anymore, we got regenerated, we're the many grains, even they could be touching one another, they're still not blended. It's only after They are ground up and mingled with oil. The many grains become a lump. And then they have to be put into the oven. And then they become a loaf, feeding God and man. Brothers and sisters, this is our path. This is how to coordinate. This is how to serve the Lord. So I'll stop here. We have about 15 minutes that we'll spend for some sharing, some overflow from any of the meetings, okay? How about we uh, we just pray for a minute, okay, with our neighbor, and then we'll share.